Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. Hello and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann, and and who is that I see? Rich Krejci. Yes. Good to be back with you. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Well, congratulations to you, too, as well. We're both yeah. uh, both married men now. I feel yes, different. not to each I, other. But <laughs> that, 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 we, there's we, no problem. We no, decided no. to take this podcast thing to the next level. It's like, you know yeah, what? Well, I talk to you every week anyway. Like, you know what? Let's 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 do this whole thing, right? I mean, might as well. We live in different cities, but you know that doesn't that doesn't stop. Long that distance has never about. stopped us. No, it's never stopped no. us before, and it's not going to stop <laughs> us now. Point. So, uh, yeah. yes. So uh, yeah. you yeah. came we to Illinois. Twitter. We share Twitter account <laughs> right. for podcast. So right. It's probably, you know what's next? I mean, there's there's you really there's not much else left to you know do so why not yeah so and for tax purposes too it's great so i mean it's just, like it's i can't wait to yeah. file taxes so yeah uh but yes yes thank you for uh for having me back and and you, yeah. i i think i i enjoyed the show a lot more when i wasn't on it because i got to listen to it because i don't like listen like i don't know how you feel about listening back to your own podcast but like i don't do that ever so the ones that you've been doing i've been like oh this is pretty nice so this is nice and like like i enjoy it because now i can actually listen to to, to you, you you know listen over again because like i can't hear my own voice like it, it freaks me out beyond belief. like i just can't do it but i've been able to listen uh, and it's, it's been great stuff yeah i don't know some people love it some people like will go back and immediately listen to something they just recorded i never have listened to a single thing i've ever recorded i hate it <laughs> I, uh, I generally do listen to mine, although I don't like the sound of my own voice. You have a nice voice, so I I feel like um, I enjoy listening to your voice better than mine. I've kind of gotten used to the voice just um, because I've I've done enough podcasts. I've received a lot of podcasts too, so it doesn't really bother me to do. But I, I sort of listen for quality control just to make sure like I didn't screw anything up too mm-hmm. bad, or for you know um, just just to think about how I can do better in the future and that kind of thing. But um, occasionally I'll re-listen to something to see what we talked about because occasionally yes. I do forget if we talked about something. So, 
Um, anyway, we are um, we're going to take a little a, a slight break from WrestleMania, although we're going strong with that, and we've got a uh, we're a little bit more than halfway done with the series, so we've got a few more episodes uh, in the works. But we're going to take a little break because we've had some um, some important NBA news of the uh, past week. We've had um, a, a, a Steph Curry. He um, Suffered a, a a knee injury that uh, is only going to keep him out. Well, for at least two weeks, they're going to re- reevaluate in two weeks and see. Um, it was looking like it could be more serious, and of course, you know who knows, it could end up um, keeping him out for longer, or you know things go poorly, perhaps his team could get eliminated. So. They kind of made us think about some examples of other instances of um, significant players who um, sustained an injury that arguably could have swung a series. So uh, we decided to kind of compile a few that were um, a few that we definitely think, you know, very much there's a good case that they did. And then a few others that we talk about briefly that a few, maybe a few not. We're just going to kind of go through um, some of the ones that are sort of popular and just talk about what we think about um, the effect that those had on NBA history. Yeah, essentially, I mean, we're, we're the ones that, like Jason mentioned, the ones that we're going to really focus on are like the ones that like completely altered a team's chances of winning a title. Like in terms of a team that we we you know we used a criteria as well, which we'll go over a little bit of teams that we thought you know either had a chance to get you know to the NBA Finals, had a chance of winning the championship, and then we're also going to go over like you said a bunch of other ones that are just kind of more or less like kind of a history of sort of major playoff injuries to really good teams. Like there are plenty. I mean, of course we could have an entire, we could be talking forever about, you know, injuries in the playoffs, but we're trying to look at, you know, star players, near stars, guys that really altered uh, their team's chances of winning a championship by getting hurt. And a lot of them we're going to try to focus on injuries that happen sort of around the playoffs as well. Cause there are many cases of course, of like a guy getting hurt in midway through the season. And then that sort of derailing the chances. We want to just kind of focus on this particular case, because as we saw, you know, unfortunately it was when we decided to do this, it was just a, Curry, who sprained an MCL, we weren't really quite sure what that was quite yet. We weren't sure if he was out for the whole season or what was going on. And then the basketball gods or, or, or devils blessed us with yes. uh, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin as well. And not that you know, I, I, I think there's two different planes there. Whereas I think you know, two weeks without Steph Curry is probably a little bit more for the Warriors playoff ch- or, uh, title chances than the Clippers. But you could make a case of this Clippers team. I mean, honestly, look at this Clippers team without Blake Griffin and without Chris Paul. It is actually don't look at it. I, I would advise, and your doctor would probably advise not to look. At it so uh they blessed us with two more uh gigantic injuries uh that happened yeah. in the playoffs too so we'll uh we're not going to talk as much about those because i don't think they're on the same level stuff but just to let you know sort of our frame of mind of why we decided to do this and uh why we decided to do this topic so yeah and i mean of course steph's injury i mean steph is uh had one of the greatest seasons in nba history on the team with the you know the the right. greatest uh, winning percentage in nba history 73 wins so that that's obviously even though chris paul is an amazing player and Blake Griffin's related too. It's it's obviously a different context. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll go through um, some a, a few briefly um, that we think were meaningful that were worth a little bit of discussion. Then we'll we, we got a, f- a few others that kind of fit that um, elite criteria that you're talking about. But um, first is um, Bill Russell in the 1958 Finals. Uh, bringing it back to Bill Russell. Um, <laughs> We're taking a version away from Bill Russell. All right, <laughs> Bill Russell. Yes, like, Bill Russell. Um, and uh, and Adam and I talked about this when we talked about the um, the Celtics and Hawks rivalry. But in 1958, the Hawks actually beat the uh, Celtics in in a six game series. And Russell injured his ankle on in Game Three while attempting to uh, block a uh, Bob Pettit shot. He missed two games in the series, four and five. Although Boston actually did win Game Four, um, 
the Hawks won it in six games, and they edged the Celtics in game six with uh, behind 50 points from Bob Pettit. And the Hawks won their four games in this series by a combined eight points. So obviously a very thin margin there. And if Russell had been healthy, there's a, a very good chance. I mean, the um, the Celtics beat the Hawks, you know, um, four out of five uh, finals. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it wasn't particularly... Uh, close so for the most part so um well the seven finals was very close but after that um the Celtics were clearly the better team so I, I think there's a good chance that Bill Russell would have gotten that 12th ring which I know you know desperately you know would, would, <laughs> would everything for would him. really would really get him a good resume because right now it's like you're okay you know you, you, you're you're up yeah. there but yeah would have really that 12th would have really kind of sealed the deal uh as far as my legacy or or if I could count him as an elite player in this league and it's just not quite there yet but you got to get more rings. Get some rings. <laughs> get yeah, some rings, exactly. Bill. All right. Come on. Yeah. Six out of six for Jordan. You'd have 12 out of 12 for Russell. So uh, I mean, 11 out of 12 will have to suffice. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's not, it's 12 out of 12 would be better, but, you know, it's all right. Yeah. So, um, and then we have um, Billy Cunningham in the uh, 1968 uh, Eastern Division Finals. The uh, Celtics taking on the 76ers, who they had a big rivalry with. You and I are going to do an episode on this uh, coming up in the WrestleMania series. So, we're not going to get too deep into it. But basically, um, Cunningham was a sixth man for the uh, Sixers at that point. But um, would it was kind of growing into a star, would soon be you know the team's best player. Probably the team's second or third best player at the time. Um, and would later be, you know, a top a ABA MVP and a top 50 all time player. So it's a very important guy and did not play in this series because of a broken right wrist. This was a year after the um, Sixers had dethroned the Celtics uh, to break up the streak of eight straight championships. Uh, but the Celtics were able to win this series. Very that choke nearly. artist, that choke artist, Bill Russell, man, jeez. <laughs> Why don't you win the big one there, Chief? All right, come on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this, the uh, speaking of choking, the Sixers took a three-one lead in this series, oh. but uh, but fell in seven games. Um, and also injured in this series, uh, Wilt had a partial tear of a calf muscle of his right leg, a strain in his right thigh, and an injured right toe. Wally Jones had injured knee cartilage. Luke Jackson had a pulled hamstring muscle. Hal Greer had. Um, uh, had an injury in his right knee. The, so these are basically five of the six top players in um, in the game, and, and three of those players, including Cunningham, were top fifty all time players. So in the uh, initial top uh, top fifty list in ninety seven that we've talked about many times. So um, so those are pretty bad, um, and, and that's definitely one where. I think that changes NBA history a lot because I, there's a good chance that if Cunningham were there, the Sixers win that series. Uh, the, there's a, you know a probably pretty good chance that if the Sixers win and you know make the finals or at least win a champion and win, or win a championship, which they would have been favored in that situation, um, that you know they can kind of potentially build a dynasty rather than sure. things things falling apart and wanting to leave and and that sort of thing, and then be, them being a nine win team in five seasons later. So. Um, it's hard because there were definitely some of that behind the scenes strife with Wilt and management and and some of the teammates and stuff, which we'll get into more in depth later. But um, I do think that uh, this one, I think is a big, there's a big domino effect that you can imagine pretty easily based on, you know, what happened here. Absolutely. And then um, a pretty famous one, uh, Bill Walton in the uh, uh, 1978 uh, Western conference semifinals, um, this was a year. Uh, this was the year after the they'd won the '77 championship. Very f- famous team, uh, Walton leading the Trailblazers to the championship, 
and they they got off to a really good start uh, the next season, fifty and, and ten. And then Walton suffered a broken foot, uh, still managed to win the league MVP that year, despite missing um, basically most of the rest of the season. The, the, the team uh, did not play well um, when, when he was gone. They went something like 10 and 14. And um, he returned to action for the playoffs, but was re-injured in the second game of the opening round against Seattle. Then Portland would lose the series, and um, Walton would then... Um, be out for the next season there'd be a lawsuit from the team and team doctors he'd end up going to the uh clippers and of course suffering a lot of injuries there and 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 you know really having six years of uh barely being able to play before managing to end his career with the celtics so um so a big domino effect there of, of you know and this in some ways i think is similar to golden state because um i and i don't certainly don't expect this outcome from steph but um you know the uh, the Trailblazers kind of capture people's imagination with their you know the, the way they played their unselfishness their passing Walton was this like tremendous talent who was kind of held back by injuries but otherwise was just sort of this guy who people thought as a transcendent player I, I kind of question a little bit of that myth but um but I think that's something that we may uh, tackle uh, this summer hint hint yeah <laughs> uh, um but I but. I do think they're you know, they were such a young team. Golden State was such a young team, yeah. and then you know they kind of emerged out of nowhere, like Golden State did a little bit last year. Uh, Golden State a much more um, you know accomplished regular season team, uh, and you know I, I do not expect Steph Curry to have the same kind of problems that Bill Walton um, did. Certainly, hopefully not. But I, I do see a little bit of like this. That's why I've always been a little bit suspect to try to like um, for, for Golden State try to keep like my expectations like tempered a little bit like they obviously look like they're on a path to be like this juggernaut dynasty awesome thing but you know it, it can all go in, in you know in, in just a very small amount of time you know absolutely can return yeah. and, and obviously if the, the current injury were more serious or you know something that could threaten his career that obviously could just drill all the good vibes that they've had so yeah um, and, and there's things other than you know just simply basketball as well there you know in this walton case of course you know the injury was was a huge part of derailing it but then also there was the issues you know him and him and team management him and the doctors or whatever like that can happen with any you, you know we sort of think of it oh my god golden state's going to dominate the league for the next you know decade or whatever. oh nothing's going to stop them but you know what i mean like there's nothing and, and i'm not pointing out or i i don't you know this is just a random example but you know there's nothing stopping whatever draymond green this summer gets a bug and he's like you know what i don't want to here anymore i hate this play you know what i mean like we've seen that plenty of times where it's just like something happens some sort of personality clash something you know things happen like that so it is kind of hard to assume that this dynasty is just going to go on forever or assume that any dynasty because here's this blazers team that you assume oh man like that team what was that i mean we, you know we actually covered the breaks of the game um in, in one of our podcasts you know yeah. a year ago that that team was like what like an average age of like 20 it wasn't like 24 25 20, somewhere in that range it was just like yeah, it, was, it was like well this team's gonna dominate forever like there's no like who stops a 24 year old team that's this good or you know 26 year old team that's that good and we see of course that you know a lot of things could happen in in a short period of time that can really sort of derail something and, and this is a great case of that happening as well yeah uh, a couple of things semi-related to this that i would mention they're, they're not nearly significant but I, they're interesting trivia at least to me so um kermit washington and lucius allen in 77 for the lakers that they were probably the, t- the team's second and third best players behind kareem and they missed the series against the blazers because of injury and i i think we think of this of the blazers as kind of this um all-time team but the lakers were actually the better regular season team that year by a significant margin and if 
you know, they hadn't been missing their second or third best players. I think there's a chance that they, they, they certainly, they were swept that, that um, season, I believe it's a blizzard. There's certainly a, a, a better chance that they have, um, that they can at least, you know, make the competitive if sure. they win that series. And that changes a lot of things. Um, Lakers actually had the best record that season. And, and I believe they were 37 and four at home, which is pretty, um, you know, pretty impressive record. Um, and Lucius Allen also being injured for a, um, for a series, uh, kept the, they lost a narrow uh, seven-game series to the uh, Celtics in uh, '74. There was a very good chance that they could have uh, won a championship. So another th- th- that could have you you can certainly imagine that having another title on Kareem's resume and another possible Finals appearance in Kareem's resume would have helped his resume too. You know, Kareem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or it's all yeah, this yeah. whole episode is about building resumes, guys. And Kareem and Russell, I don't know, guys. Like you had chances and you you, you blew it. So I don't know. Yes. I mean, if you so. can't lead your team to a title, you know what good are you? Kareem yeah, and Wilt, exactly. uh, or Kareem and, and Russell, and Will too. All these guys, they all suck. Win some right. titles, win all some rings, guys. guys. Come on, jeez. Yeah, more rings. <laughs> we just, yeah, if, if you don't win, if you don't win a ring every single season, you're <laughs> right. a failure. Duh. I think yeah. it's, it's fair to say. I think that's that's a very fair way to assess a player's career. I agree with that. Yes. So, so uh, one that's mentioned in some of these lists is James Worthy in the '83 Finals. This one. I mean, he he played well. He was a rookie. Um, he ended up ha- breaking his leg right at the end of the uh, season, um, and but and they they made it through the playoffs fine. But then they were swept by the '83 Sixers, um, and, and the Sixers were an incredibly dominant team. They at one point were threatening to win seventy games, which would have broken the record. Um, and then they sort of eased off the last few weeks. They had a couple of injuries, and they, they limped a little bit into the regular season, but then in the playoffs they uh, came very close to fo fo only with one loss um, during that time. So I, I think um, I'm not really buying that that's necessarily going to swing. I mean, obviously James Worthy would, would be helpful, but I you know other than maybe winning a game or two in that series, mm-hmm. I just don't think that they were going to be able to handle the Sixers. Yeah, the Sixers look like a team that, like even in retrospect and even even looking through the season and looking at all that, that looks like that was the dominant team of that year. So, I mean, yeah, you make a case that, yeah, they, they probably would have had um, you know much better chance, but... I yeah that 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 was what sunk the entire Lakers season. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, it's yeah, it's worth noting uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's one that a lot of people kind of um you know bring up as a um you know is one of these like maybe maybe it could have, but I that, that one I'm not really buying. Mm-hmm. And um, so next we have and then is interesting. And I think we we may have discussed it uh, when we talked about some of the game sevens, but um. The uh, the the '88 Finals between uh, Detroit and the Lakers. Um, uh, Isaiah Thomas, of course, you know, famously uh, sprained his ankle um, in Game Six. Managed to on a sprained ankle, and, and you you could see him, you know, basically hopping around on one foot, able to score 25 points in a single quarter, and almost led them to win games which, which would have allowed them to win the series but the lakers ended up uh, winning nearly 103 to 102 um on a uh, pair of last minute free throws by kareem um and then the next game the uh, lakers win it um by very narrow margin 108 to 105 on kind of a controversial final play where uh, magic ended up uh, kind of knocking uh, Isaiah down and Isaiah only was able to score 10 <laughs> points in that final game so and that's the one we talked about where like the crowd just rushes the court there's like th- there's like yeah, four exactly. seconds left and everyone's like yeah it's like all right well right. all right we don't need those four right. seconds that's right. fine yeah. I guess we don't need those all right that's fine like, yes. 
So I do think that that one is a. I think there's a pretty good chance that one changes the. Uh, oh yeah, I mean course of history. And you look at that game seven. There. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at that game seven. Yeah. You know, one hundred eight, one hundred five, with Thomas scoring ten and obviously being hobbled by the ankle and all that stuff. I mean, that you look at that narrow over margin with Isaiah being pretty much a non-factor for that team as well. Is that sort of tells you, yeah, okay, if he's at full strength, you know, of course we don't know that for sure, but you can safely assume if he's at full strength, they have a way better chance of winning that game because they only lost by you know the slimmest of margins 108 105 so yeah that's definitely one uh that definitely swung that that series yeah for sure um and then the next year in the 89 finals a rematch between the pistons and the uh and the lakers this one i do not think would have swung the entire series but magic uh johnson he went down with a hamstring injury in game two uh, the Lakers ended up being, and he could not play in Game Three. He, I played very limited amount in Game Four. The uh, Lakers were swept by the Pistons uh, for nothing. I, I think the Pistons were a significantly better team, but um, obviously Magic being healthy would have, uh, I, you know, at least may, probably driven that to a couple more games. But I don't think that would have changed the balance. But you know, if it would have changed the balance, then I guess uh, you know, if, if we swapped the '88s and '89 uh, titles for the. Uh, Lakers and the Pistons that'd be weird but I guess in you know in, in the <laughs> scheme of things that's about uh other than we don't have any back-to-backs until until Jordan um we lose both the Lakers and the Pistons back-to-backs if they trade if they trade championships from 88 and 89 so um but beyond that you know I, I guess the karmic balance of sports however <laughs> right it, right I don't think was changed during that time but uh, it's interesting also Byron Scott who was um who used to play and not not just be a mean coach but he, <laughs> a bad um, coach did you say mean or bad I didn't hear. I said mean oh okay <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say bad. He's bad. Too. He's Most bad. people do. So, and I, I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with them. So, um, he was injured in practice before uh, game one. And there, um, Kareem wrote a book on uh, his final season, which this was the end of his career. And he wrote a book just basically like uh, being really mad at Pat Riley for like before the finals, just like implementing like this really, really hard like training camp like regimen and like driving everybody, making them like run really fast. And you kind of, felt like um riley had kind of become like a little bit of a shrill dictator um since you know the beginning of his you know in seven or eight years since he had uh, first become coach of the uh, lakers and um thought that the injuries were due in part to uh, that kind of treatment and uh I, I think their relationship is not very good to uh this gay which i i know it's unlike it's it's not like kareem to hold a grudge but um, <laughs> but i that uh is unfortunate byproduct of uh of what happened here absolutely uh so uh so what do we have next uh next uh patrick ewing in the 1999 finals and this was uh famously the the lockout shortened season of uh 98-99. Patrick Ewing, he suffered a partial tear of his left Achilles tendon uh, in the series against the Pacers. The Knicks had beat the Miami Heat, famously in the first round, uh, then had dispatched the Atlanta Hawks 4-0. Then they were going up against the Pacers, uh, the hated uh, Indiana Pacers and Reggie Miller. Um, Patrick Ewing, of course, as I said, uh, suffered a partial tear of his left Achilles tendon. Uh, The Knicks were able to still beat the Pacers uh, and then made it to the NBA Finals, but they were defeated by Tim Duncan, David Robinson, and the San Antonio Spurs 4-1. you know, that's a great Spurs team, but that was a really, really good Knicks team. And I think the, that they were able to, you know, be, still beat the Pacers and still, you know, win a game in the finals without Patrick Ewing, who at this point was starting to slow down a little bit, but was still still there. I mean, still, uh, you know, the Patrick, not the Patrick Ewing of old, but still a very important player there. You know, would they have won the title with Patrick Ewing? 
I don't know, but I think it would have definitely been a much closer series and would have probably went neck and neck, I think, because that, that Knicks team was very good outside of Ewing as well. So I think that that would have played a big part in it, because especially when you look at the matchup against the Spurs, against Tim Duncan and David Robinson, having, you know, your own seven footer would have been a little nice as well. But of course, you know, they, they, they were they were OK. But yeah, losing Ewing definitely hurt them. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think you know, the, the Knicks were kind of famously an eighth seed to the first eighth, eighth seed to make the finals, but there was some extenuating circumstances there. It was the lockout season, and uh, they had kind of gelled in the last half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it, would, I, it would be interesting historically to have seen Ewing uh, battling against Duncan and Robinson. That, that, that would have you know kind of been a cool big man in the finals type matchup. Um, and uh, it would have been interesting for Duncan to kind of face somebody of um, – uh, you know, of that generation, you know, someone famous of that past generation. Mm-hmm. He didn't really do that in the uh, in the finals. He kind of battled basically his contemporaries. So, um, I, so, so that would have been interesting. I don't think it would necessarily have changed things. It's interesting because, of course, the um, I think this is kind of the basis of the of the famous Bill Simmons doing theory of you know you lose the. Um, you know a guy isn't really a star and you lose him and then you know everyone else is kind of better because you've built you know uh the team around this kind of flawed player type thing so which i think kind of haunted ewing a little bit but i don't think was was really particularly fair no no i don't know as well because we saw and you mentioned the gelling of that team was a big important part as well because you have a guy like a marcus camby who's still super young and you could tell if you look at his stats throughout the year as it was going on and going on it was more and more figuring out as you know most young big men do they don't they don't come into the league and immediately go oh yeah this is easy i know what i'm doing and you got a guy like an alan houston who had, was finally sort of embracing the i'm the leader of a team sort of thing which which again yeah i don't know if that's necessarily because ewing got hurt but i think you can sort of see that building throughout the year and throughout the year so yeah i i don't subscribe to that theory much either but uh it's uh, whatever <laughs> bill's made a bill's that's that's yeah. bill's made a career from, from doing stuff like that so yeah, <laughs> so sorry. so there you go uh yeah i'll move on now 2003 western semis 2003 is a very cursed year uh we'll, we'll do two here but uh you have chris weber and the sacramento kings this is in the western semifinals um a second game of the 2003 series against the Mavericks, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, Weber suffered a major knee injury. Uh, he was running down the lane untouched and just immediately collapsed into a pile. And when that kind of happens, you know, uh, this isn't very good. And that basically, uh, for all intents and purposes, really kind of ended Weber's career as being, you know, that dominant star. You know, he's able to still score, but the explosiveness was gone after that. Uh, and, and more in this year, in 2003, it shattered the Kings' title hopes. Uh, they won 59 in the regular season. Of course, the year prior, they had, you know, the famous series with the Lakers. It was a franchise and a, and a team that sort of w- looked like they had a chance to maybe maybe not be a dynasty, but always be sort of the pesky guys there and, and maybe win a title one way or another, you know, at some point to break through and, and, and win that title. This, of course, shattered their hopes. Um, they would go on to lose in seven games. Uh, Mike Bibby and Peja Sorakovic did as much as they could and were sort of emerged as the new stars of the team in, in Weber's wake, but uh, the Mavericks were ended up beating them and then sort of moving on to the next round where I guess I can just move into this one where Dirk Nowitzki for the Dallas Mavericks in the 2003 Western Conference Finals also got hurt. He went down with a knee injury uh, midway through the fourth quarter in game three. Uh, Don Nelson wasn't quite sure if he would play again in the series. There were questions how bad the injury was. Uh, he ended up not playing anymore uh, in Dallas even though they won 60 uh, in that regular season they fell 4-2 uh to the spurs who then would go on to the uh the finals so um yeah it's it's interesting that 2003 you sort of see two serious you know the karma that you mentioned uh weber goes down with the knee injury and then dirk of course dirk's wasn't nearly as serious 
you know, it was one of those where they weren't quite sure if he would play, if he would not, but he ended up not being able to play. But uh, that was a really good Mavericks team. I think people uh, sort of forget that that was, you know, that I definitely the best of the Nash Dirk years because the next year they would go and they would acquire Anton Jameson and Antoine Walker, and then things got a little weird, and then Nelson was out, and you know, there was a lot of transition period until they would eventually make the finals a few years later. But this, I think, of the Nash Dirk teams was was far and away the best. Yeah, they were a much better defensive team than they had ever been in, yeah. in any of those other years. Um, yeah, and the Kings were really good, too. I mean, the Kings won 59, the the um, the Mavericks won 60. I mean, that, that was a really – there were a lot of – I mean, the Spurs were really good that year. The Lakers were pretty good that year. I mean, um, so that, that there were some pretty heavy contenders out there in the uh, – in the West, and um, in, in retrospect, yeah, the Spurs kind of got lucky uh, that year to um, obviously Dirk getting hurt and uh, avoiding the um, uh, the Kings potentially if they'd been able to uh, beat the Mavericks. So that's a um, you know that that's sort of some interesting what ifs there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, to 2004, um, Carl Malone. Um, something that's kind of forgotten about. Um, 2004 is famous for the the Shaq and Kobe relationship uh, being torn, you know, breaking up uh, permanently. Uh, they'd added Carl Malone and um, Gary Payton famously, and Carl Malone actually really fit in well when when he played. and um, And this was the first year of his entire career where he actually got hurt, um, like in significant time. Um, you know, they were. They were twenty and five when he got hurt. Um, they ended up um, when he got when he came back later in the season. They and they were fourteen and four when he was a um, starter. So they were thirty four and nine with him as a starter, and played really well in the postseason um, as well. He had thirty and thirteen in a closeout game against Houston, and then was hurt again and uh, was extremely limited in the playoffs and could not play in the final game, which ended up being the. Uh, the final loss to uh, Detroit, which was a, a big upset at the time. Um, you know, people thinking Detroit didn't really have a chance, but um, in retrospect, that Detroit team was a lot better than people realized at the time. And, um, and they completely, uh, you know, they, they beat the Lakers and tore about the Lakers. And in, I think just based on how well Malone was, was playing when he was healthy, I do think that could have made a difference. I mean, it was only a five game series. So I, and the Lakers really, really, really lucky to win that one game. But um I do think that there's a chance that, you know, at least goes to seven. I think there's definitely a, yeah. a pretty good chance that ch- that changes things. Well, I mean, if you look at the, the – and then it, it's not like they face, you know, stiff, you know, no competition in getting to those finals, too. And you look at that, and they really did well yeah. in the entire – I mean, they beat Houston in the first round, uh, beat a really good San Antonio team, you know, the defending champion San Antonio Spurs right. in the second round, and then an awesome, really, really – I mean, the best Timberwolves team of, of Kevin Garnett's entire run there, you know, that's at their, their peak powers of that Timberwolves team. That's a really good, you know, you know – crew to go through to finally get it to the Pistons and then you know of course you know famously that, that it all kind of unraveled uh in, in that final series but yeah I mean you, you I, I think it's a very good case that if Carl Malone's at full strength uh, at least putting that game to like you said a seven games or even a six uh, competitive six makes all the sense in the world do they win the title I, you know that's hard to say it's you know kind of revisionist history but you know that they would definitely have made it a much better series than it ended up being uh had Malone yeah. been there I think that's that's unquestioned I mean, I, we, we are, in fairness, we are doing revisionist history, so. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> that's that's uh, yeah. literally the point of this podcast, but that's, or this particular podcast, but uh, right. yes. this particular episode, but yeah, that's fine. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, we got a couple in uh, 2005 as well. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, um, I, the first one, Wade and Shaq, I kind of had forgotten about this, that um, Wade um, 
he suffered a strained rib muscle in Game 5 of the Conference Finals against the Pistons, who, of course, won the championship the year before. Uh, and he couldn't play in Game 6 and then was limited in Game 7. Um, and the, the Heat lost the series in Game 7 after they led three games of two, and they had a lead, in fact, in Game 7 were and, and lost that to series. And, and Shaq didn't miss time, but he was... He had a deep thigh bruise, and they ended up um, uh, losing losing the game and losing the series, obviously. So um, they did end up, you know, picking him back up in 2006 and winning the title then. But um, that that was sort of, um, you know, it, it, that's that's sort of an interesting one to me. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if they're, you know, beating the Spurs that year because that, that Spurs team was pretty impressive. But um, it, but that's, you know, uh, I kind of forgotten about the, uh, the, the the injuries there that kind of de- definitely shifted that series. Yeah, I always forget. I mean, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's probably because when you see any montage of, like, Dwayne Wade's career, Shaq's career, or the Miami Heat, you always see, like, you know, Shaq, you know, in his little press conference or whatever, screaming about, you know, coming to the Heat. And then, like, you know, Wade jumps in his arms. And it's like, we won! Like, I always sort of think that, like, Shaq came there and then immediately they won. I forget there was this one year under, you know, Stan Van Gundy um, that, that they, you know, and, and of course this was after this series is when, you know, O'Neal kind of publicly was like, eh, you know, this this Van Gundy guy, I don't know. And like, you know, he, he re-signs with Miami. Pat Riley comes down from the, the, the rafters, you know, next year. Uh, and then uh, obviously the rest is history for them. But yeah, I always forget that there was that Wade Shaq year before yeah. they won the title because it always just seems like Shaq came there and then immediately they won. And I, you know, going back and researching this, I went, oh yeah, right, there was that, you know, Stan and Gundy years and, and this injury year. But yeah, wh- whether they were a team that was going to probably win the finals, I, I don't know. It probably took that next year where they kind of coalesced a little bit more, uh, added a few different parts, and of course Riley coming in, a big part of that as well. But yeah, you can make a case that they would have at least... Uh, you know, at least change the complexion of the Western or the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe the NBA Finals as well if they were both healthy. But it's funny that um, yeah, that Heat team they that rise and fall was really dramatic. I mean, they they when they fell apart very quickly after um, they won the title too. I mean, they got tra- they, I mean they they um, you know they, they suffered some injuries in the '07. I think Wade was hurt a lot of that year, mm-hmm. and then they barely made it into the playoffs, and they lost in the first round to the Bulls. I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then by you know in 2008 things when the Shaq trade happened so um i mean that really uh and they were you know they were like a lottery team for a year and then uh, the decision happened but um <laughs> that's, that's miami man yeah no that that like you talk about that fall and the thing was too i remember in that bowl series and that's if you've seen the famous alonzo morning you know gif of him you know sort of shaking his head and the scores right. like some ungodly number like the bulls are winning by 40 or something like that and it was just like they kind of all looked at each other like ah man well <laughs> that's out of that like we're all too old like we suck now <laughs> like that's we, yeah. we suck all right. right. And then, yeah. like, they did. They just, like, then they was like, all right, well, that's over. And then, you know, everybody sort of moved yeah. on. And then real quickly, they, they came back up. Yeah. So that's. Anton Walker had one good year. Jason Williams. <laughs> I guess Jason Williams was all right for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they had a lot of guys who had one really good year and then in 06 and then couldn't really replicate it. So. And then they had the weird, like, Jermaine O'Neal years and stuff. And it's like, you forget oh, yeah. that. Like, I saw an image of, like, Jermaine O'Neal on the Heat not that long ago. And I was like, what? When? I don't remember that. Like, no, that never happened. You cannot convince me Jermaine O'Neal ever played for the Heat. That, that never happened. <laughs> We have video evidence. No, we don't. No, you don't. Find it. I dare you. Okay, sorry. Never mind. Thank you. Uh, Joe Johnson, 2005 Western Conference Finals. This is an interesting yes. one as well. He's was... famous. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he's the uh, the Suns uh, starting shooting guard uh, this year. Really, I mean, this is a great Suns team as well. Uh, you know, they hadn't quite, yeah. I don't know if they were quite at that level where they'd be, you know, the next, you know, year or so. But this is a really, 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 really solid team um, with him as the shooting guard. You know, he, this is his career year as well, scoring 21.2 points per game. Also, a, a really awesome uh, 57.1% from three, which is just incredible. And of course, uh, parlayed that into uh, lots of monies from uh, the Atlanta Hawks. 
sucks. But uh, yeah, during the yeah during the first uh, five playoff games of the year, yeah, he averaged twenty one point two points per game. So he's just a guy that was just on fire for that Phoenix team who looked good. Whether they were a title team, you know, we'll, we'll see. But a really you know deep, deep, fun quick you know pace team and, and and really just efficient as well uh he fractured his eye socket and, and uh sustained a concussion and he missed uh the remainder of the second round series against dallas and then uh they were still able to win that uh but then he missed the first few games against the spurs in round three and it just it never really quite got back uh for that team and then for him as well he returned he scored some points but his efficiency was gone a little bit because he was wearing a mask and and i remember at the time he was even saying i can't shoot with this mask on <laughs> like this is i just can't get used to it. and of course you know just coming out of nowhere it's not like you get a few games to sort of get used to it it's like all right well put the mask back on and we're facing this you know 2005 spurs in the you know in the playoffs and that that just didn't yeah didn't work out and he ended up moving on to uh greener pastures i don't know which is <laughs> green, yeah. greener as in money pastures maybe not as in, like, yeah i mean he got seven all-stars out of it yeah exactly so, um, so go joe johnson but yeah it's interesting because yeah joe was um at one point like a sought after young player who people were like excited about and you know, thinking like he had this exciting future and and a lot of people really wanted him to stay with the Suns because they he worked so well in that role. They actually filled it pretty well. I mean, you know, getting other guys to kind of, um, you, you know, they didn't really end up needing him. They were fine without him. I mean, they, they were, had some really good teams. Effort. I, I do think this this team actually had the best record of any of those Suns teams because um, they lost to Mari the next year. Mm-hmm. So they actually only won like fifty four games. They made a pretty good playoff run though, and um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't. Because Joe, he was like their fourth most important player. I mean, behind Nash and Stoudemire and and Marion. So I, I, I mean, this one, I, it, it could have swung it, but I, I just think that more than likely, um, the you know the Spurs were going to win that series anyway. Um, it's possible, you know, that they they were a better regular season team, but um, my guess is that this one is. Um, it's important, but not quite, uh, quite at that, you know. Um, changing the who the champion would have been left right right i agree and uh and then next we have uh yao ming in uh, 2009 um actually you could actually mcgrady was also um missing this um this playoff series uh I think the Rockets were actually without their three best players in this series and somehow they were able to <laughs> it uh, take make sense. the uh the champion Lakers to seven games. So it was a really weird um, kind of thing. This was basically the end of the Yao McGrady um, experiment because McGrady was traded the next season. And um, and Yao, I, I think he came back and played like a, a handful of games, but then, you know, couldn't they realized he couldn't play. And then he had ended up having to um, to retire, uh, you know, soon after. So um, but this was this is probably the best Rockets team. Um, you know, they um you know that they could have had um i mean they, they really were a strong season team this was kind of like the, the the promise of you know what it could have been for um yao and mcgrady for the regular season and then yao was still you know, able to kind of carry that team through um you know um to that point and through you know three games of the series but you know and, and even you know the admirable how far they were able to come even after he was injured but yeah it's it's um, it's crazy to look at i'm looking at the box scores right now this the, the rockets lakers series so you, you take yao ming out he only played three games he was of course the leading scorer i uh, take him out uh their top three leading scorers are aaron brooks uh ron artest slash metal world peace and luis scola yeah 
Like I, what? Yeah, we, you know, <laughs> nice players, yeah, but I what? Mean, yeah, but like, yeah. like for a regular season, like yeah, that's a good like decent regular season team. You know, you know, he won forty. Yeah. You know, I mean, but like you know, but at that point, yeah. you know, Meta was was a he was you know, right. he was really good. So and um, Brooks Brooks played out of his mind too. He had a really really awesome yeah. year that year as well. And you know, you had just a, a really deep bench too. If you look at that team, I think that's the thing that really got him is is um you know look at at who's on the bench here. So you have Carl Landry, Shane Battier, Kyle Lowry, you know, young Kyle Lowry off the bench, Brent Berry, Chuck Hayes. Uh, so you got a really deep, I mean, you, you have a team that like when you, you obviously, when you add McGrady and you add Yao there, you could see that, wow, this is a very deep team. You lose those two guys, you know, sort of like we're talking with the Clippers, you know, you lose, you know, two of your top guys. It's like, oh, all right. Like, you know, then it doesn't, doesn't look very pretty, but yeah, the fact that they were still able to take it to seven games uh, against LA is just a, a remarkable effort. And like, it, and it wasn't just like they squeaked by. I mean, I know, I think looking right now, game six, they went 95 to 80. It's like, geez, like that, you know, they, of course they, they got trounced in game seven, but Hey, you know, that's. Valiant effort, guys. Valiant effort. Yeah, Aaron it, Brooks. It was good. Yeah, go. it's, it's impressive. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, hey, Aaron Brooks is still around, isn't he? Yeah, so, he's he's parlayed it yeah, into a lot of uh... away. Um, and another one in two thousand and nine, uh, Kevin Garnett. Now this is a little bit different because Garnett he was injured during the season, and then he was able to cut. He came back in the two thousand and nine playoffs. They were able to uh, get past the. Uh, the Bulls in, in in a really classic series, but they lost to the Magic in um, in, in seven games in the conference finals. Um, yeah, I, I will say that um, you know the, we talked about this in one of our um, in our episode on the best starts of the season ever, which is now out of date because of what Golden State did this year. But um, you know they were they had one of the best starts ever. I mean, in, in record wise and SRS wise, they were even stronger than the 08 team, which you know was an incredible team. So. Um, I do think this really did, you know, could have really made a huge difference um, without Garnett, even though it didn't, you know, happen in the playoffs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, like you said, there, you look at that, right? You know what they were doing in the regular season, and yeah, people sort of forget that because I think they didn't repeat. And again, like we we live in a world where you know championships are how we uh, define everything. But this team was every bit as good as the team the year before, and it seemed like I, I remember even the narrative at the time was like, all right, these guys now they like you know the first year they were still kind of trying to figure it out, and they still won a title. Like now they got it; they know what they're doing. They're figuring out. Everyone's playing at the top of their level. I remember that being a thing, and and Kevin Garnett especially. You know, he we sort of now we think of him as sort of this old decrepit guy but I mean he was at this time playing you know some of his best basketball that he's ever played Paul Pierce uh, was at the top of his levels and Ray Allen was you know of course always fantastic as well so he really kind of got that and, and like you said I think this one's interesting because he does come back and it's like all right cool and then it's like yeah but it's not it's not that Kevin Garnett you know he's averaging nine a game he's just not even you know he's just not explosive he, he looked hurt and he looked like he wasn't ready to come back and of course then he missed you know the rest of the season but yeah I mean you look at it and um I think, again, what they did even without him, you know, making it to the Eastern Conference semifinals uh, against the Orlando Magic still sort of speaks to how good that team, you know, was even without Kevin Garnett and how good, how much better they would have been with what I would call probably th- their best player that year, Kevin Garnett, who, who missed time. So, yeah, I think I think absolutely, especially in that season, especially when Orlando was the one, you know, sort of represented uh, in the finals, very good case that they could have made the NBA finals with Kevin Garnett. Yeah, absolutely. Um and then 2010, another uh, bad luck thing for Celtics. Now, this is Kendrick Perkins. So, obviously not on the caliber of player um, that we normally uh, have been putting on this list. But That's a big deal. No, was... Yeah, it really was. I mean, he uh, was injured. He, he had a torn MCL and, and PCL. 
uh, injured his knee, missed the rest of the of Game Six of the Finals, and then couldn't play in Game Seven, obviously. And the the Celtics lost this, you know, grinded out game to the Lakers. It was a really ugly game <laughs> Very ugly. in our in our, um, in our Game Sevens thing. And the thing that killed the Celtics was rebounding. They just they couldn't basically couldn't grab a board. Like Rasheed Wallace was toward the end, and he wasn't grabbing him and Garnett was doing his best and it was just basically Pow and Bynum and even Kobe with like 16 rebounds in the game just killing them on the glass and that was really the reason they lost yeah. the series and uh, in Perkins would have he one thing he could do is rebound so that definitely was a pretty significant series shifting um thing even though you know again the caliber of player Kendrick Perkins uh, and unfortunately this the knee injury really um kind of he was a, he was a okay you know pretty decent player at the time um and then you know kind of was not much of a player um after that was you know sort of sort of lamented is why does Oklahoma City not um amnesty him you know every year <laughs> right, right. Where, when they're um you know trading James Harden and and you know you're wondering um why they won't you know build up a you know get guys for their bench or that kind of thing so yeah no and of course like you know people mentioned uh, grinded out really really ugly game but yeah the the key was and I remember even watching it you know live as was happening was that the Lakers were just getting so many rebounds. I mean, you look at uh, offensive rebound percentage, the Lakers 41.8%. <laughs> so that's like right there. I mean, that's so many second chance points. And when you look at a game that's only 83 to 79, that's a big deal. I think they out-rebounded them by 13 rebounds. Like you said, Kobe had, you know, like 16 rebounds. I think Gasol had 18. Odom had seven. Uh, and of course, that's not even counting Andrew Bynum, who, who you know, didn't do a whole lot in that game. So yeah, you look at that, and that's really it. Whereas the Celtics had, you know, uh, total rebounds. You know, you got Sheed with eight, as you mentioned, Rondo with eight, and, and Pierce with ten. But that's not near. I mean, the the the, the Lakers just killed him on the rebounding. So yeah, you look at that. You look at a, a a guy that you can point to and say, hey, that's his only discernible skill. Him out, the team sucks at rebounding. Uh, you know, that there, there's there's a case to be made that Kendrick Perkins swung that series. So I think uh, I think we're well justified in, in saying that. So absolutely, yes. Um, and then the last one that we're going to talk about, uh, I guess, briefly, although we've, we've, we've gone a little bit longer. I was going to say, none of these were brief at all, but that's fine. I forgot because I was like, oh, we're wrapping up. Oh, wait, we haven't gotten to the ones we wanted to get to yet. Okay, well. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, um, Kevin Love uh, in, in 2015. Um, Love was injured in the um, in the first round in Game 4 um, and was uh, sort of battling for a loose ball with uh, a Kelly Olenek of the Celtics and um, Olenek uh, pulled his arm and, um, and and dislocating his left shoulder, putting him out for the series. And then um, Irving battled injuries throughout the, throughout the uh, playoffs and then uh, had to leave game one um, against the Warriors with a knee injury, a game that the Cavs actually easily could have won um, if it hadn't have been for Irving being out. And then the Cavs were able to, able to rally and take a 2-1 lead, but of course the Warriors found their way and, and, and won the series 4-2. Um, so, you know, even though the uh, the Cavs adjusted pretty well to sort of change their style and and, and make it more grounded grinded out and really um had a very good defense without love and and and, and without irving but uh yeah you know they were obviously significantly overmatched even though they had lebron james uh still um at that point uh very close to the best player in the world um it, you know you could steph was coming on that level and a couple other guys in that category but um i think steph has definitely passed him this year but but in 2015 that was still a discussion yeah absolutely all right, so I guess we should talk about uh, <laughs> the, the main part of the um, subject. So um, 
So which was our criteria here? Yeah, so our criteria, we were trying to figure it out, uh, you and I in sort of a chat of saying, okay, how do we define elite? How do we do that? Essentially what we got to is teams with uh, 8 plus SRS, so a team that had an 8 uh, over an 8 uh, simple rating system, which is a base, uh, basketball prospectus uh, uh, way to rate teams overall. Just gives us a good way to sort of look at that. Also, we looked at uh, if you had 63 plus wins, so maybe your SRS was below that, but you had a ton of wins, you know, 63 plus, or in some cases because there were also, there's one team in particular that, you know, didn't have the 63 wins because of the lockout season, but still had an over 75% win percentage. So we put it at 8-plus SRS, 63-plus wins, and then a 75% or better win percentage. Just to kind of give us teams that we could truly call, like, these are title-contending teams. These are among the best teams, you know, in the league that year, and then an injury that happened to them. So sort of working on that criteria to try to slim it down a little bit so we can focus on these uh, these guys a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so... The uh, so 2016, of course, uh, Steph Curry, as we mentioned, um, suffering a uh, a sprained right MCL. Um, the regular season, they were 73 and nine. Oh yeah, the, that's good. That's pretty good. I, I, Is that the record? That. Is that the record yeah. or what? Um, I'll, I'll check that. Okay. And we'll let people know in the next. Right. show. Maybe somebody on the Twitter account can let us know. If they, uh... Okay. All right. We pr- we appreciate that. <laughs> Thank um, you. The, the team's regular season SRS was uh, 10.38, which is sixth all time. Um, and, um, of course, we don't know what's going to happen here. Um, they have benefited from some luck with uh, the Clippers injuries that we discussed earlier. So they will either play a weakened Clippers team or a Blazers team that won approximately 30 fewer games than the uh, – or 28 fewer games, something along those lines, to uh, what the Warriors played. So I would still put the Warriors uh, as the favored team in that situation, um, even without Steph for you know at least a few games in the playoffs, if not for the whole series. So um, they may be able to um, – they may be able to advance without him, and then um, you know if he gets the right amount of rest, and uh, you know in the uh, conference finals against either the Warriors. So uh, this may not derail this season, but there's definitely you know there it's, it's now much more open than we initially thought it uh, could have been just a you know just a few weeks ago. Absolutely. Um, so next is uh, 2013 Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder. And um, I, I kind of forgot how good this regular season uh, team was for the uh, for the Thunder because it was actually after the James Harden trade. Yes, yes. So they had made the finals the year prior. Um, you know, of course, losing to the Miami Heat, and then it was an idea again. Like we talked about, oh man, this team's a, you know this dynasty's ready to go. Like these guys made it here, and everybody sort of assumed that that was sort of their their coming out party. And now it would be the rest. Now it's like, okay, these guys have arrived. Now they're gonna you know refine it a little bit. We're ready to go. Of course, you know James Harden gets traded in the off season, but it doesn't really stop them at all. I mean, the team, you know, they went 60 uh, games in the regular season. Their SRS is a 9.15, which is just, yeah, you, you sort of really do forget how good this 2013 or 2012-2013 uh, Oklahoma City team was. Um, you know, so they, they, they kind of, they uh, as I said, you know, they didn't really show any ill effects uh, from the James Harden trade. They went 13 and four in November, uh, 11 and two in December, and 11 and five in January. So right out of the gates, they were still a good team. Of course, Harden broke out on his own right as sort of the leading scorer of Houston, um, and then they would go and 
you know, they would face Houston in the first, in the uh, the opening round of the playoffs, and that's in Game Two when Russell Westbrook got hurt. Uh, you've probably seen this many, many times, but uh, Westbrook uh, veered to the sidelines as he prepared for his coach Scott Brooks to call a timeout. Uh, Rockets guard Patrick Beverly came uh, up to him, went for a steal, and bumped into Westbrook. Uh, Westbrook immediately crumbled to the ground, holding his knee. Uh, people sort of feared the worst, but then Westbrook didn't seem to. It seemed like he hurt, but it wasn't like, oh man, this is done or he's done for the season. He kind of like punched the scores table and, and seemed frustrated. Uh, but then he ended up playing, you know, 37 minutes anyway, scoring 29 points uh, and having a 12 for 26 kind of Russell Westbrook-esque game. Uh, and then we found out that he tore his meniscus and that he'd be out for the rest of the playoffs. Um, and, and it was kind of funny because he had never missed a game prior. Uh, he had even mentioned that, you know, not not in high school, not in college, never. He had never missed a game. And, of course, we know that Wessel Westbrook, you know, that next year had a few injury issues as well. Uh, seems to be fairly healthy now. But, of course, yeah, it was that weird bit of bad luck where a lot of people were worried that that was going to be a thing with Wessel, uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, that he was, you know, not going to be able to, to hold up to the, the rigors or whatever. But uh, the Thunder would still defeat the Rockets uh, in six games they would get to the next round but then they would fall to Memphis uh in five games and that was uh sort of an emerging Memphis team that that a little bit of good luck and 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 Zach Randolph becoming sort of the star everybody thought he was going to uh certainly helped that team as well but uh even when you look at you know Memphis's you know defeating of Oklahoma City the margins were super tight it was uh they won uh, Memphis won by six 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 and four and you know, like I, I I feel like it's not crazy to say you know if you have Russell Westbrook you probably can make up a few of those you know uh deficits there but um you know, for perspective as well, uh, their game one victory over Houston was by 29, and that's when they had a healthy Westbrook and a healthy Durant, and, and the team was, you know, firing on all cylinders. So, yeah, you got that there. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, the Thunder, they made it to the NBA Finals the prior season. Of course, they were eliminated five games here. Um, and then, yeah, that that's just kind of the story of, of, of Westbrook and Oklahoma City. But no fear, they'll be back in a few years healthy and ready to go, right? We, we hope. Or, or, <laughs> I can't. Fans, hope. Hey, hey, maybe look, look a little better this year after. Exactly. Um, yes. You know, Golden State um, troubles, but but we'll see. Yeah, I. Um, I, you know, obviously they. You know, the they probably would have been helpful to have kept James Harden um, in, in for Westbrook getting hurt in the playoffs, but we're not going to relitigate that. But <laughs> please do. Um, yeah. No, we don't want to do that because uh, I'll be here for another hour talking about that. Though. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't need to do that. But yeah, I mean, this, now this one's tough because you know the Thunder would have. I, I think they could have made it past Memphis pretty easily. With, oh yeah, um, Westbrook. Yeah. You know whether they would have been able to beat the Spurs. The Spurs had beaten had they had beaten the Spurs. The year before, the Spurs were, I think, a bit of a better team. Um, obviously, made this was the they made the finals and then had that classic seven game series against the um, uh, against the Heat. So uh, for the Heat's second championship, so it's still a pretty tall order to to expect the Thunder to have beaten the Spurs and the Heat. It was certainly possible, but um, and, and this certainly took away a good chance for them to make that run. But I, I, I'm not sure that I feel like I feel confident that like, okay, if, if they stayed healthy, that, that would have happened. There's definitely a decent chance of that happening, but I don't know if there's like a great chance of that. happening. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is a heat team too, that, that people forget. I mean, this was when they sort of, they, they figured it out. They had it. They yeah. were just super efficient. LeBron was just, I, I'd say arguably LeBron's best year as well. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah, just was locked in. Yeah. Yeah. That was a 27 game win streak. Uh, yeah, exactly. Here. 
So yeah, that was. They I mean, they were just, <laughs> they were just locked in that entire year. So I mean, that that's yeah. where you get a little tough. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's not wild to say that they would have made the NBA Finals uh, again, and and what would have happened there, who who knows? But yeah, I think you know, it's a big injury, especially you know these guys both in their prime, um, and Kevin Durant sort of having to shoulder the load all on his own. And we know um, this was a series as well. I think it was against the Memphis where people started to look at him and go, uh, you know, is this guy have it to you know be a leader of a team? And I, I remember the, there was discussion of that at that time, which you know of course is kind of ridiculous, uh, you know, in hindsight, but. Yeah, I mean, people were sort of ready for him to to step up, but you know, you lose, you know, two of your three best players in the prior year when you made the finals. That that'll, that'll you know, there'll be some derailing there. But uh, yeah, of course. Yes. And then you know, they would lose, they would lose Durant, uh, you know, the next year or whatever. Uh, in the, so it, poor poor Oklahoma City, but or the year after yeah. that they would lose him, but yeah. for the finals, right. but that's all right. But, but, but still, yes, they've, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they've dealt with a Westbrook or Durant injury pretty much every year, except for this one. Yeah, um, but fingers crossed, it, everything's okay for yeah, this year. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. All right. Uh, um, so, uh, so next we have, uh, 2012, the, uh, Derek Rose and Chicago Bulls. And this, uh, this, this one's a pretty sad one because yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, um, Rose has, uh, never been the same since, uh, since this injury, um, uh, dur- I hadn't I mean, noticed. I hadn't noticed, Jason. Thank you for, yeah. for- <laughs> And um, it was a torn ACL, right? Yes, yeah. This, this, actual, yeah, this particular one was a torn ACL, and then of course, ever since then, it's just been a litany of of additional injuries to different parts of his body. But yeah, the first one yes. was uh, was a torn ACL. Yeah, against the Seventy uh, Sixers, and uh, was just basically um, trying to leap off his left foot, uh, stopped quickly and jumped, and um, he came down and he grabbed his left knee and fell to the floor, and then was helped off the court. I remember watching this and just being uh, obviously. Uh, uh, being stunned and, and being incredibly saddened and the the, the bulls were a um they were the number one seed there that year they were 50 and 16 this was the the lockout year and their srs was a 7.43 um so this was definitely a team where um you know they were gonna have to go against the heat and uh this was this the uh the, the the second year of the um you know uh, of the of the lebron heat and they things had not gone well that first year when in the playoff series. So I'm not necessarily certain they would have made it through Miami again. But this definitely it was probably their their best shot because they had a pretty uh, deep and versatile team this year. Yeah, absolutely. They added uh, Richard Hamilton in the offseason. And though he wasn't, you know, of course, the Richard Hamilton of old, he still gave them, you know, a, enough of a scoring punch because one of the big issues. Uh, the year prior with the Bulls is that, you know, once they, they put LeBron on Derrick Rose and once that happened, you know, the Bulls were kind of like, oh, crap, like who who takes the ball, who takes shots, you know, who dribbles or whatever, you know, and adding Hamilton was supposed to give them not a guy that can sort of take over a game, but at least another option that if Rose is, you know, shut down by LeBron, that you have other options, you have other guys to go to, you have, you know, other things to do. This catch and shoot guy. Exactly. It's sort of been, you know, perfect. If, you know, you double team Rose, you get it to, to, to Hamilton, you know, he hits the three and or, you know, he drives a lane or does whatever. Uh, but yeah, they finished, you know, first in the league and SRS, uh, second in defensive rating, and, and just seemed in general poised uh, to make at least another wrong, long run in the playoffs and, you know, and, and match up with the Heat at least at some level. You know, would they beat the Heat? Who knows? But uh, they never got to that point because they ended up, of course, losing to the Philadelphia 76ers um, in that opening round series, 4-2. to two. And then, interestingly enough, that resilient Sixers team that sort of got lucky in the first round. They took uh, Boston to seven games in the second round. And then, um, so really kind of a decent run by that team that really nobody thought had a chance of even winning a game in that opening opening round uh before uh you know rose went down but led by uh, andre iguodala yeah um, yeah 
and then uh, then they made the Andrew Bynum trade, and that thing the thing <laughs> probably went quite well. I'm assuming, but yes. uh, that's that's when Nick Young was like a semi serviceable player, correct? Uh, that's right. Was yeah. Nick Young? On, I yeah. think Nick Young was on the Sixers team. I, I was, think Nick was on the team. Yeah, I always uh, forget that Nick Young Sixers was era. Was Brown on that team too, or was that the next year? <sighs> We don't yeah, know. I think he was. Yeah, let's please yeah. not look it up. He, <laughs> but I believe he was. He, yeah, he, yeah. We'll, we'll just go ahead and if we're <laughs> I'll, I'll assume we're right on that. But uh, right. yeah, and of course, as you mentioned, things have gone swingingly for Derrick Rose and the Bulls ever since then. Uh, Rose has missed the entire next season, uh, bits of the season after with another knee injury, uh, and then the Bulls would continue to uh, compete in the Eastern Conference. You know, make it to the playoffs, but their title window had pretty much closed as far as Derrick Rose being uh, the best player on their team. And now we see them, you know, obviously they missed the playoffs this year and in a, a big transition period. But this was sort of the the death knell for uh, the team, at least uh, for that title window, uh, as far as we know it. So, yep. Thank you for depressing me horribly, Jason. So, um, it's okay. No, no problem, Rich. In fair, we're the one who took the notes for it. So, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> okay, Kwame Brown was not on the, oh. that year. so, uh, at least not in the, on the playoff roster. So, you know, we, we had, uh, we had Drew Holiday, Lou Williams, Iguodala, Evan Turner, Spencer Hawes, Elton Brand, Thaddeus Young. This is Will really, Allen, this is Kwame Brown's first year with the Sixers this year? Or, uh, 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 uh 12, 13, 12, 13. Never mind. That's, that's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I thought he played there more than one year, but. There you go. Golden State Warrior um, Kwame Brown. What is your favorite Golden State Warrior Kwame Brown memory? He was, he was in Golden State. He played nine games there in 11-12. Uh, oh, yeah, so seven, try to pick well, just one, but uh, you know, one memory. Dive on that. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Um, so the last one, and probably the closest parallel I can think of um, to this, or one of the closest ones, um, is, uh, is 1973, John Havlicek and the Boston Celtics. Um, Havlicek suffered a, a severely injured shooting sh- shoulder after uh, running b- blindly into Dave DeBusher in uh, Game Three on the screen, and um, he was able to return. He missed Game Four completely. He was able to return in Game Five, but he basically played on a. Um, he, he couldn't really lift his right arm, so he was doing everything with. He was right-handed, but he was doing everything with his. Um, with his with his left hand, and he did actually play pretty well in Game Five. They were able to uh, win that game in Boston, and then actually, even though they didn't play that well in Game Six, they won it in New York. But they, he and the team ran out of gas in Game Seven, um, and uh, I believe it was the first time that they'd lost in a Game Seven in uh, franchise history. And um, they were a, a lot of people forget this, but they were actually a 68 win team, which would be, um, which would have been the, uh, the, the second best record of, um, or yeah, the second best record of all time that would have uh, tied that mark, I believe. So, um, so they definitely were a team that had a chance to, um, uh, you, you know, were, even though their SRS was not quite that strong, they were 7.35, which were, was actually only third in the NBA that year behind the Lakers and Bucks. So only 61 expected wins. So, you know, their SRS, uh, I think, is, is indicates they're not, not quite that strong of a team, but they still were a, um, you know, an excellent team. And this definitely kind of wrecked their chances to, um, you know, win their first uh, post wrestle title. They'd end up winning titles in 74 and 76. The Knicks ended up uh, advancing from the Eastern conference finals, going to the finals and, and facing off, uh, beating a, a favorite Lakers team uh, in that series for their second championship. But it's sort of an interesting. What if is, um, 
if the Celtics had won here and been able to beat the Lakers, which, uh, you know, even though the Lakers were an aging team, they still were a better regular season team. So I, I don't think you can automatically assume they would have beaten the Lakers. But uh, if they had been able to win this championship and then had won three in four years instead of two in three years, um, you know, do they get a little bit, you know, I think we're going to look into some of the best teams of the seventies and kind of consider, um, look at some interesting things about them and kind of consider, um, you know, which of those teams might've been the best. And, you know, with that third championship uh, in the decade, I think they have a, you know, a, a pretty good shot of becoming, uh, being considered the dynasty of that decade that, and that decade really is missing a dynasty that mm-hmm. basically every other decade in NBA history has. Yeah, we talked about the seventies, of course, and maybe might talk about them a little bit more uh, coming up. Maybe, uh, I, I don't know, maybe if you want to talk about them this yeah. summer, you know, I, I don't know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, you look at that, and it's just a weird decade, and we, we've talked about it many times, where you have like these weird kind of one-off champions. You have, you know, Portland gets their one little run there, which we talked about a little bit earlier. You get Seattle gets their one little run. You know, a bunch of teams have these little tiny micro runs, and there's not that dynasty, and that the NBA is so used to just having dynasty-defined decades, and this one is is pretty open. But yeah, I think you make a very good case there, and I think it, there is a very good case to be made that you know with Havlicek at full power with that Celtics team that they become sort of the pseudo team of the 70s and become that dynasty that that 70s you know doesn't have uh you know for better or for worse but yeah I think it's a great case for it and I think it is probably uh the best case you know to sort of compare to what's going on right now with Steph Curry of course no idea what's gonna happen with Curry we don't know what that that you know the history lies ahead for for that but yeah i think it's a very good case that that this is very similar to that injury and how this really did affect their chances of winning the title we talked about these other teams where it's like ah maybe man you know i don't know this one you look at and it's like yeah that that's that's a big deal <laughs> you know not having john havlicek yeah. uh for and, that and team and so lot, yeah and, and havlicek for people who don't really realize i mean he was like at a basically like a kind of like a scotty pippen level player yeah i mean um and was one of the best players of that decade and when he retired was like really high up on like the all-time great list a lot of it was because of um he played for so long but i mean he really was a um you know he was a good player statistically but i think he was just an even greater player with his defense and ability to move without the ball and just a lot of the um uh, you know a lot of the great things he won eight championships for you know a reason and 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 in, you know two of those he was more than two really i mean probably the last five or so he was a you know either the best player or you know co-best player on on those teams so um you know he, he certainly did a lot during his career but this is sort of an interesting what if and, and again a lot would have had to happen so we're um you know it, it's hard to say whether it really swung it and also Earl Monroe missed game four with an injury in the series as well now he was not as important <laughs> of a player to the to the Knicks as oh I don't know about as, that <laughs> as as uh Havlicek was to the to the uh, Celtics but you know they're, you know, yeah. lots of things happen in these things. So it's um, obviously it's a you know it's an exercise. It's a revisionist history, as we say. Um, but but yeah, it was certainly a uh, they, there was sort of a neat uh, moment here prior to the fourth game in, in Madison Square Garden. The New York fans actually gave Havlicek a spontaneous standing ovation when he appeared in street clothes, which kind of shows kind of the respect that he um, had around the league uh, during that time. Uh, so uh, anything else, Rich? Uh, I think that's it. Uh, we unfortunately went a little bit long on our other stories, but there, now you got a lot of stories about the history of injuries in the NBA playoffs, go. but well, uh, yeah. we can't help ourselves sometimes. You know, we get we, we do all this research. We want to talk about excited. it. So that's, that's yeah. why we get excited about the history of the NBA. But no, I got I got nothing more to add to this one uh, other than, yeah, fingers crossed that, of course, injuries don't uh, completely change the, the playoffs. But, you know, in, in one sense, I, 
I, I do kind of like it every so often when you kind of have this wide open thing. I, I, I still, I prefer, you know, as a, as a NBA fan, I prefer when to see, you know, the best players and the best teams winning, you know, bear, but sometimes it's, it's kind of fun to have like a wild West mentality where it's like, Oh, like literally a wild West mentality where it's like, Oh crap. Like, I don't know then, like maybe this team could win. Maybe that team could win. Maybe that team goes to the final. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what sort of ends up happening here. But uh, yeah, the fingers crossed that Curry does come back. Cause of course I'd rather, uh, you know, Curry and the Warriors do have a chance, but we've already seen, you know, with, with the Clippers, uh, they're losing too. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes and, and, and how Golden State does react without him. If they uh, if they fall apart or if uh, they, they at least kind of, uh, you know, stay afloat until he comes back and, and, and what he's like when yeah, he comes I mean, back as well. Team. So, yeah, I think that I, I feel like yeah. they can at least, I mean, the big thing is going to be, uh, you know, if and when they face the Spurs. Uh, that will be the big test there because that's... Yeah, or even the Thunder. Yeah, yeah. The Thunder, I mean, this, this, too, this could yeah. finally be the time for the Thunder to go, you know what, <laughs> basketball gods, you, you screwed yeah. us before, but we're going to take this one. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. Uh, how it goes but yeah it, it makes the playoffs uh, a tinge more exciting it sucks you know kind of in a morbid way it took injuries but there's there's some fun now of this or you know hey right yeah i mean no one wants an injury but i the, you know the unpredictability makes it interesting yeah. even though I, I generally like the best teams to me too you know to to, to win in that but ever so ever so often ever so often you know you could have one year where it gets a little crazy right that's fine yeah <laughs> yeah it's right so you know as long as everyone is healthy in the long term that's the uh, uh of course uh, yeah. hopefully that will be the uh, that will be the case for everyone but all right, well, uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, checking us out. Of course, you can find us at hardwoodproxism.com. Uh, you can find our podcast over and back on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, if you would leave us a rating and a review, we would absolutely uh, adore that. We would be very happy, and it would make us smile uh, for days, in fact. So, uh, it, well, only a good rating. If a bad rating, then we will frown for days. You don't want that. So, um, yeah, and so you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA. So, until next time, thanks for listening, and we're back again soon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.